Welcome to Democracy Rules, a podcast series that focuses on the me in democracy and how the idea of the self defines and is defined by the democratic structures within which we function. Welcome to the Democracy Rules podcast where we explore democracy inside out. This is Prakar Bhartiya, social entrepreneur and co-founder of the Indian School of Democracy and your host for the podcast. This podcast is part of my dream to connect hearts across the country and facilitate the work of truth and reconciliation. There can hardly be any discussion of a healthy inclusive democracy without focusing on measures for the differently abled, a significant part of the population which often gets neglected when it comes to questions of access and equal opportunity. Interestingly, even when persons with disabilities become the focus of such discussion, the emphasis remains on educational and workspaces as those are considered the most significant avenues of life and rightfully so. Creating an environment wherein people with disabilities can gain equal access to quality education and meaningful employment lays the foundation for a strong and flourishing democracy. And yet, we often pay scant attention to the need for access to cultural and artistic spaces for people with disabilities. Museums, public art spaces and avenues of cultural enrichment often lack the resources required for providing ease of access to the disabled and most often their concerns go unnoticed. Our guest for today is someone who recognized this need, stepped into this space and has been working tirelessly over the past few years to spread awareness and create enabling measures in cultural and artistic spaces for persons who are differently abled. Mr. Siddhant Shah, an independent disability access and CSR consultant, currently the youngest consultant on the board of museums of the Prime Minister of India. Shai specializes in bridging the gap between cultural heritage and disability and is the founder of Access for All an organization which aims at pushing the boundaries of physical intellectual and social access through innovative indigenous design and advocacy while fostering an inclusive experiential culture for all it is india's first organization to win prestigious nipam foundation microsoft equal opportunity award 2018 under the enabler category shai is the youngest recipient of a national level award Emphasis Universal Design Award 2017 by the National Center for Promotion of Employment for Disabled People. Some other flagship works of his include the development and creating of a tactile braille kit on menstrual hygiene for visually impaired girls and developing games like Ludo, Snake and Ladder, braille word games for the blind and visually impaired along with tactile educational charts. He works in collaboration with museums, monuments, foundation, art galleries, private art collectors, art fairs as well as educational organizations. In our conversation today with Siddhant, we shall focus on his journey and experiences along the way, on the importance of proactively creating a physically and intellectually enabling environment for people with disabilities and on its significance for a democracy that consistently makes efforts to ensure that no one is excluded from partaking of the fruits of progress welcome siddhant to this podcast democracy rules thank you prakar thank you for inviting me to this podcast and happy to be here siddhant so we'll begin with the, so i've watched your ted talk just to prepare more about your journey i was excited with a lot of things that you shared in your ted talk so i would want our listeners to know about how did you start on this journey of advocating for inclusivity again it was a journey that was not planned i did not plan to get into the domain of accessibility and culture but 
it was a personal experience that pushed me in in that area when i was in my third year of architecture my mother acquired visual impairment and that made us realize that suddenly your own home could become an uncomfortable space that changed our life in various different ways the social stigma that came along with that and also it brought about a change in our travel patterns completely we stopped traveling for 3 years i finished my architecture and in that architecture to my dismay i could not even learn anything about universal design because we we definitely had an elective on that but most of the things that were spoken about was around wheelchair access providing a wheelchair accessible toilet wheelchair accessible parking corridors and beyond that there was no discussion about consideration for other disabilities that really made me think about it what is the current situation in the country looking at the provisions for persons with disability and in the same time i also got a scholarship to study in greece while i was there my focus was on looking at the forgotten stakeholders in the area of heritage and culture and one thing that really changed my perspective for the domain of accessibility was at my visit to the museum in greece that had a caption that said please touch typically you are accustomed to reading captions like please do not touch or please stay away from the artwork but why would somebody put something like please touch in a museum that really got me inquisitive and like i asked them and they said that these are tactile artworks which is for a person with visual impairment and in in that case it is open for anyone to touch and feel that was a turning point that is what made me realize that if we also had similar facilities it would our life would not change so drastically if my mother acquired the disability and that became the the seed for the whole concept of looking at inclusion particularly in the domain of arts culture and heritage because of course most of the time that a person with disability spends is on existence and why should we take away the aesthetic from them you know i think arts culture heritage bring that into our life that is where it it began thank you for sharing that i think it reminds me i think the please touch thing first time i also saw in athens only and i remember 2014 or 15 i was traveling in greece and uh, that particular thing please touch when you said i think i can also recall that specifically i think in athens and i did not understand now when you are saying this i felt that it is for everyone to please touch because i also saw and felt that that is true right because i think the idea of inclusive design is also the concept of universal design it is a sad concept that we bring in into our mind that a ramp is only to be used by a person with a disability or on a wheelchair it's an object of universal design which means that you me i anyone irrespective of one's ability one can use that and make sure that they are enjoying the experience now but i'm thinking this building on what you said i did not even then think until you said just now that please touch will be so different experience for visually impaired people because they can touch and feel it and uh, that is something that clicked to me just now so what are other barriers that you see for inclusivity across the globe for people with different kind of disabilities so i think visually impaired is one then i think there are multiple kinds of disabilities how do you see in other ways see there are multiple challenges because one is that disability at large can happen in any three formats it can either be a permanent disability that you have it could be a temporary disability like it's like if you fracture your leg and you are sitting you are on a wheelchair you are facing a temporary disability of a limb and you it kind of affects your movement and motion and there is situational disability so say for example i go to any place 
and i don't understand the language so when everyone is speaking in a certain language and i don't understand it happened to me when i went to greece for the first time to study it took me time to get accustomed to even asking for a glass of water or what i wanted or where did i want to go and then over a period of time you start realizing that the domains of accessibility be it physical intellectual and social they all come together in various different formats so in this area i particularly feel that if you pick up say for example visual impairment how many spaces in our public spaces for that matter are designed to cater to a person with visual impaired needs like even if today we go to say a mall or even if we are going out somewhere to any of the monuments or where we are traveling catching a train at the railway station it is a task for my mother to even sit from one place to one and move to that other place because you would need an assistance to do that whereas the idea of accessibility should be that you should feel independent and a dignified way of moving around in these sites pick up hearing impairment right i think one of the best thing that happened in the covid lockdown was that everybody started using uh, content like you know which would be zoom or any other like virtual display content and it helped people with uh, who were lip reading because everybody was facing them everybody was facing each other so if they would be in a meeting they would have to move their heads around like constantly look for who is talking what but here you had only one point of contact and then you could see everyone's face because then you could help and read and understand what they were talking or you could also have a sign language facilitator in that and automatically the discussion became more inclusive so there are various ways of looking at uh, disability and i think i would also like to bring in that while i was traveling i have even come across some places and even some museums that go to that level of consideration that they would also put in a non fragrant hand wash soap in the bathroom so that it does not trigger a kind of an olfactory based meltdown for anyone or it should not trigger any kind of hyperactivity in any child or anyone so i think the the oeuvre of accessibility is so much that we have to start one step at a time and then start taking over those challenges because the challenges are just going to change and increase i think that is how they are they are changing they are increasing depending on the facilities that we are able to provide for i think you touched upon the public transport bit and i think i remember when delhi metro was launched they at least had some spaces wherein if you are visually impaired you can walk across the lane Uh, but i think i don't think so i've seen in india the buses which are very helpful for someone who is uh, visually impaired or someone who is uh, physically impaired because uh, I, i remember first time when i saw a bus in which the bus conductor would stop i think it was in new york and he would put a i think some ramp that would open up on the subway and then you walk over there wheelchair can go and i was amazed i literally remember i stopped there took a video that okay is this possible in in my country and i have not seen yet in india but is there something like this happening in our public transport in india have you experienced that so this is an interesting question and this is where the chicken and egg situation comes right so we do have low flow buses that you know they would sleep down for a person to come in but nobody is going to come out for you and open the wheel the the ramp for you the flap for you like you would typically see at the airports right then the airport bus when they are when you moving from one uh, from the airport to the uh flight they will take you there like they will take you and there would be somebody assisting you so even in our public transport we would see that but the funny thing is that our bus stops are not accessible they have a ramp because there is a mandate of having a ramp but right where the ramp starts there is a signage that has been put up 
So if you go if you go around looking at any of these uh, bus stops, you will see that there are ramps on the two sides, but there is also an obstacle that is there because they were only supposed to provide a ramp, but ramp does not come alone. It is not only a, a slanting surface. You one need to make it of a certain height, uh, of a certain size. And you need to have other elements to make sure that it becomes an easily accessible road. Like, is the surface is accessible? Is the is there a handrail for it? There are multiple things. It can't only be one thing. You can't think of accessibility only as one object. Your bus only can't be accessible because you have to get into the bus. You have to get out of the bus. You need space for people who are waiting at the bus stop. You need to have the information of which bus is going to come when. So I think that kind of talks about accessibility as a holistic experience rather than a singular experience yeah now when you are saying i'm thinking about the hospitals also they are also not even inclusive in terms of uh, if a patient who can't walk properly because i remember a couple of months i took my mother to like one of the top hospitals in delhi and she can't walk she has extreme arthritis and it was difficult i think four of us literally had to pull the wheelchair and put her inside and i constantly thought that can't hospital think of this they have like a five star it's a hospital less hospital mode of a hotel and the charges are high but they don't have one ramp uh, available for someone who can uh, from the car directly get on it and get inside so yeah i think i think conversation like these and i think the work you are doing becomes important to raise awareness also and now when you are talking and sharing i think it is coming to my own uh, understanding that why these things are important so how do you see when it comes to like public space can i can i just say like yeah. what you spoke about right the hospitals yeah sometimes even i am amazed that how do they even bring in a stretcher inside because a stretcher is on wheels <laughs> so yeah i think it's it's an important thing so they literally put they like four people have to pull it up and then put it inside so it is so uncomfortable for a patient who is in so much pain to be like thrown around here and there so yeah so i think how integral is the push for uh, in, like inclusivity to strengthen democracy and this is about cities we are talking i think you can also share about the rural parts if you have that experience i think when you speak about the need or the the nudge to make sure that we have inclusion as an important element right i think it it is extremely important because disability could happen at any given point in time it is not that only a certain group of people have that it could happen to you me anybody listening to this podcast at any given point in time and then based on your availability based on your other financial conditions you would be able to provide for yourself but then what happens when you go out in the public spaces or when you go out in the public areas it is an important element for consideration because if people are using the spaces they need to be inclusive and accessible it needs to kind of move around and negotiate with the aids that they have so if you have a certain kind of a wheelchair but you don't have a space that can that you can use on it then i think it it kind of misses the whole aim of having an assistive aid i think it is important to nudge and you know it is important to push the authorities in a way to provide for the right infrastructure because you may have and disability is such a thing that it could acquire to anyone at at any given point in time for that reason it is mandatory that one is that you would find yourself the best possible aid in your capacity so be it pair of crutches a walking stick it could be even like a simple 
wheelchair that you have but if you have those facilities but you don't have places to use them like if you don't have areas where you can easily use a wheelchair or you don't have a uh, area where you know the the places that you're walking around and your your walking stick could fix into it and affect you more then that is kind of pushing your assistive aid in in a negative direction so that is the reason i feel it is important to push for this so to help our audience understand more can you please uh, give some real world example that you have seen in india or if you read about outside that i think promote greater inclusivity and uh, which eventually makes democracy much more stronger one thing that i would like to talk about is that i saw a fantastic school in bhutan and the school is designed to make sure that they do not want they do not claim to be inclusive or accessible it is designed it is as it is it is a school and as a mandate of being a school they want to welcome all the children so they do not go up around saying that and i think that is one of the most important thing like when you are accessible you don't have to keep on bragging about accessibility because accessibility is a need it is not an added advantage it's not your it can't be your usp it has to be part and parcel of your design so that school that we went around and the school also had teachers with disability it had students with various different diverse backgrounds and they came in there and based on what you were comfortable you were given those facilities there if you would prefer sitting down you had that facility if you required benches you could sit on that so it was a very flexible space it was not that you had to follow a certain classroom pattern where you had to sit in a particular file because if i sit in a particular order but if the child who is short in height has to sit on the last bench then it kind of breaks the purpose so the child got to decide how or they would want to be in the space like really i was i was happy to see that because it was kind of the best examples of what inclusion should be where the person is in the position of making the decision because there is an availability of the right infrastructure then the second thing is i think the use for also understanding intersectionality in disability which comes with gender and various other things and the whole idea of a wheelchair accessible toilets and you know when we look at those toilets and i saw a fantastic sign on the london heathrow airport that said that this is an accessible toilet and not all disabilities are visible which is so true right because if you look at that there are invisible disabilities also and my mother sadly has been a victim of it because of her visual impairment but she does not require black glasses and a walking stick everybody just feels that but are you really visually impaired that question or that inquisitiveness that you know you are not fitting into my construct or my stereotype of a person with disability is so strong that when you see these kind of signages it could be for anyone who wanted to use that bathroom right and you don't have to validate yourself for being a person with disability to use that particular restroom so i think that was a very interesting thing to see that and that signage and it was a small signage but it made a lot of lot of difference saying that not all disabilities are visible and other than that yes of course what i spoke about the consideration of having a non fragrant soap in the museum bathrooms because it would be used by people across the spectrum and depending on one's need what would happen i am also currently working with uh, on the accessibility audit of an mnc based in bangalore and as part of the work that they are happy to incorporate that they're going to have noiseless printers they're going to have noiseless uh, machines they're going to have all facilities that are noiseless because that background noise could also trigger things for people right so suddenly you hear this loud sound of vacuum cleaners in in the space they are happy to make that change that about how audio based 
conditions could, could get triggered based on hearing these sounds that you do not expect to hear in an office space there are ways of recognizing that disability is not only about the way you see it it's not prima facie it could be so many different things no, no i think coming from what you're saying i think there are many i also like while i've been traveling i've seen many examples which have i think shocked me and also in a happy way shocked me to see that okay this is happening in different parts of the world and uh, often the thought has been that can this come to india can this happen in india but uh, i think that's more i think technological advancement it also needs resources like i think a lot of this inclusion comes at two level one i think is it's a very important choice that we make second i think so prakar i also think sorry i'm cutting you in a way but i also think that it also requires technology but i think it also requires just having a mindset yeah yeah that only i was saying so it it needs uh, both uh, it's a choice that we make and inclusion is a choice like in our teams also having diversity it's a choice maybe we can't compare two people if you are hiring a team member that at the same level same competence level uh, we want it it's a choice wherein we have to make extra effort to do that but resources as well my question is more around uh, i think any kind of uh, disability or any kind of this uh, differently able people they also at some level have to face the society from a very different lens because people are judging them because we have defined a normal and then we have said okay this is normal and then this is abnormal above that below that wherever for the person who is born in a certain way or who gets there in a certain way that's a normal for that person but society doesn't accept them in that way so what do we do for uh, increasing that awareness and it is coming from a place that one of my very dear friend can see from one eye and not from the other eye and all his life he's at the 25 now and all his life he has faced that extreme underconfidence many times because uh, his thought is that what will people think if they get to know that i my one eye is not right and he's a absolutely like phenomenal person gem of a human being extremely helpful but then this thought is there in his head now he's started opening up sharing openly but all his life he has not shared that openly so what do we do to sensitize people about these things uh, and become more inclusive in conversation in spaces true i think um, an extremely valid point i have myself seen the power of social stigma like my mother refused to see a mirror for 2 years after acquiring her disability and her operations which led to the deformation of her her size right i think it kind of become it became distorted she just refused to do that and i think it also comes with a lot of family pressure it comes with a lot of peer pressure because we have an ideal of a normal good looking abled body person you know and suddenly any sort of a deformity like weight or even like your skin color there are so many ways that we stigmatize people and i won't hide from sharing this fact that at some point my grandmother was petrified that who will marry me and my brother because my mother had acquired visual impairment it went to that level then because she thought that people will think that this is genetic what will happen in the society suddenly everybody seeing you perfect but then suddenly something has changed in you that pressure of the society has to change and that can change in a very interesting way and i will come back to my answer that i spoke about of of bhutan right and the school and i had a discussion with the teacher over there that you know about the school and she said something fantastic and i think that is an answer maybe to this particular question about how we can remove social stigma she said that if students grow with friends with various ability you stop judging them that's so true because you're growing with them you are no longer being sympathetic to their need you are being only empathetic because when you grow with a group of people when you grow with your friends you try to help them not out of a concern or a charity but you try to do it because it's your friend you need to do this they will do something for you you learn to understand that people have different needs at a different point in time 
and you also it's a great understanding and a lesson of equity based growth you know it is not always about fairness and equality but it is also about equity it is our understanding that each individual has an independent need and that independent need needs to be catered to rather than only focusing on the on one way of giving out the solutions to everybody because i think only one thing that is common between all of us is our differences and i think that is where once we start realizing that we will break the barriers of the societal stigmas we'll break the barriers of judgment and we'll also overcome our unconscious biases that we make towards anyone yeah i've been a teacher for 2 years and i know how in a classroom of 52 kids i was a teacher for a, in a government school in pune and each child used to learn in a different way so it becomes so important so do you think young adults are more aware and more sensitive towards advocating for inclusivity I think young adults are aware because I think some way social media has also played a very interesting role in this. Social media gave you that platform, that channel to have. Even I teach, and I I teach a a batch of young preteens, and you can see the rebel in them. You can see that the way they want to express themselves, and they want to move beyond what the society thinks of them or their family thinks of them. And I think they find that solace in the social media. I'm not saying it's good or bad because it has its pros and cons, but they feel that they have a a pseudo name to live for that they they can where they can be themselves. Or at one point, that social media they find a group of people who are of similar sharing similar wavelength, and then they can share with them, and they become a pool of friends. Maybe they are across the world, but they're still one community. And I think that is something that is really important for them. I feel. it gives them that association of an identity that we are not alone in this space i think that the social media over a period of time will also become a place of engagement with a group of people like with metaverse right you can live in metaverse literally where you can be yourself but again like multiple questions and pros and cons are on that so yeah but i also think that it is important for people to meet physically in person because the more we will engage with people who are not like us i think the more our own ability to accept will increase and because what we are talking more about nowadays in the in a political debate otherwise is more around tolerance and i think tolerance is that you can sit in my room i don't want to engage with you maybe but you can sit in my room accepting is that i invite you in my room so this journey from tolerating which i think happens on social media to accepting is when i accept you the way you are and i see the wholeness in the person you are i think that is something that's a journey that maybe more engagement and understanding will bring in Do you want to share some, like, for our listeners who are listening and who are learning through your experience, some practices that we can do in day-to-day life to, like, foster more inclusivity and bring, like, society more closer to the blinders that we often have? Yeah, sure. I think uh, one of the most important thing is that please feel free to ask. You know, don't assume what a person with disability or would require or need. You know. it is better to ask a person about what they feel and what they would need because they would tell you honestly that if they need you to help them or not because a lot of times our idea of assisting a person with disability comes from a mindset of uh, sympathy we want to do it because you know it's sadly it's taught in school that help people who are lower than you help people with disability help why should you bring that concept in and that is why i personally feel that education and any listener over here who is in the domain of education please take this opportunity 
because you have the chance of changing minds of maybe 50 people in your classroom 100 students in your lecture you have that possibility of bringing about that change because inclusion and accessibility works across the spectrum it is not that it only works in a certain domain second and the most important thing is that please do not feel offended if a person with disability refuses to take your help they also have the right of saying yes and no right again coming back to the idea that the mindset that we have that i should do something good for them and if they are refusing how can they refuse to take my help you know please understand that they are individuals they can do things on their own you are only offering because if they would need help and if they refuse it is completely fine and i think the third and the most important thing is that find your channels find your spaces where you can break this stigma where you can break various different notions that we have of disability and you can create awareness it could be by doing various different things like participating with volunteering groups working with ngos or even sharing our podcast sorry this is off topic but i want to go back for my listener who are listening to siddhant he also helped build a museum in pakistan and i would want to ask you to share a brief experience about how was that experience and what did you do over there i worked with the director general of the museum in state bank museum of pakistan in karachi and my role was to design pakistan's first museum braille book with tactile images of the entire numismatic collection which was there in the museum right from the seals to the current day banknotes there were multiple different things that they had but they did not have the facility and the director was in india for one of my workshops and she saw the braille book that we had created for the city palace jaipur and based on that she said that she would really like to explore this opportunity but and knowing how two countries work it was extremely difficult for either for me to go there and see and again for her to come back here to have any sort of discussions we worked through our way we worked on various different virtual mediums and we created finally we were able to design if pakistan's first museum braille book in india and bridge the gap between two countries in a very small way but i think that really helped because that museum has been doing some fantastic work while bringing in people with disability and working with them but because of the lack of resources they could not go beyond a certain thing and then when they had the experiences in india they tried to incorporate over there we shared all the things that we could do with them we also did an access audit and how to go about doing that while we were in india at the city palace uh, jaipur museum those learnings were then taken over there and she was working there and throughout the discussion we were connected virtually and we made sure that it happened she would send information to us we needed high res of picture she would send that all of that was converted a braille book which would have so also this braille book is something that i would like to talk about when i started working in the area and we were working with uh, the city palace jaipur to design the braille book we thought that we'll just create one braille book with the information which is there in the existing book and when we took that to review like we also one of the things that we follow is that you cannot design for anybody without bringing them on board so we had a school who caters to children with visual impairment with us and but they said that i am only reading things in braille but i am not understanding and that was a very important point and it talks about intellectual access that if i am reading something in braille i should also understand what it means so we wrote things in braille in such a way that if you were touching this is what you would feel this is what you would do because all we write is a based on our visual referencing this is bigger than that taller than that next to this behind this 
So we changed the context. And while they were doing this, we also realized that and this came from a feedback from a parent who said that my child, when he is reading Braille, I become visually impaired because I don't understand what he's reading. So we then incorporated Braille and text together. And we also tried to bring in the visual context where we provided tactile images. So there was Braille, there was large font print that anybody could read, anybody on the visual impairment spectrum and a picture that you could see and that same picture that you could touch and feel. So the idea is to integrate things rather than separate them under the context of inclusion. And that is what we did with the State Bank Museum Karachi in Pakistan. Thank you so much. I think it was exciting for me to listen that part in your talk uh, about the museum setting it up in Pakistan. I hope you do more in South Asia and especially in India and maybe in rural parts as well, because I think rural India still misses museums. So we have been through our initiative access for all. It's been six years that we have been doing this. And now one of the aims that we have made is that by 2030, we want to reach out to organizations and similar uh, spaces, not only in Asia, but also in Africa, because we feel that the conditions are similar. And while we are doing that, we are planning to also work in the second tier, in the third tier cities in India to bring the change about like how we move in our public spaces as well as in the space of education and a lot of those projects are done through different csr funding that we have because one of the biggest challenge is to have the right amount of funding to do this we are also not a charity that was something that we were very clear about when we began that we wanted to bring in a certain level of professional advisory in the domain of social enterprise and make sure that accessibility was not only seen either as a medical approach or as a charity based approach and that is where we started working and one of the recent projects that we did was in uh, Jajjar in Haryana we worked with a group of educators training them doing capacity building workshops with them along with Sarva Siksha Abhiyan and it was supported by uh, Delhi Art Gallery. So there are different ways in which we are trying to do that. We are bringing in. It is relatively simpler to work in cities because the organizations can provide us with the, the fee that we have. But when we are working in rural areas, we require support and we require funding so that it is not a challenge for them. They are a willing audience, but the only challenge that they face is that they may not have the financial support to provide for it. So that is where we also get into the space of CSR management. Because one thing we realized was that, and it's an again an interesting episode, we had been visiting a, a blind school and a girl said that, sir, I have 15 cane sticks with me. Every time there is an organization was coming, they're just donating the same thing. They don't give us other things. And we were discussing and that is the time when we came about that they did not have any information or they did not have any information to read about menstrual hygiene. And that is where we designed the entire menstrual hygiene kit in tactile and braille for them. So I think if we are able to do this and reach out to various different groups of people, it kind of changes our understanding that the needs of accessibility are not only in an urban area, but it also is extremely required in a rural setting as well as in other parts of Asia and Africa. Thank you so much, Siddhant, for the insightful conversation. 
for the listeners also there will be a lot to learn today and we have come to the conclusion art and culture often relegated to the realm of luxury in fact constitute an important intellectual need as much for the disabled as for the able bodies it is an intangible form of nourishment that often doesn't gets as much attention as it deserves especially for those who do not fall within the confines of normative human existence one of the fundamental features of a flourishing democracy is not just politically aware populace but an ever growing network of citizens working towards social justice building an environment of empathy championing the cause of inclusivity and equity sidhan shows us the way to the country's youth in developing sensitivity towards the need of differently able he leads by example showing how concentrated efforts in the right direction can lead to substantial and concrete outcomes our conversations with leaders and path breakers championing the cause of inclusivity and social justice have provided invaluable insights into the efforts we as citizens can make using our voice for advocacy and our physical and intellectual capital for strengthening our democracy thank you for walking with us on this journey towards understanding what goes into building a stable foundation for a robust and sustainable democracy one that promises progress for all its stakeholders here's to a future with a billion voices coming together thank you Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, or wherever you are currently listening. This podcast is generously supported by the US Mission India. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated in the episode are those of the guests and speakers, and do not necessarily reflect those of the US Department of State.